Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For this episode of The Shit Show, we've partnered with Kids Can for their $15 for 15% appeal. You can feed a Kiwi Kid Brekkie and morning tea for a whole week for the price of just a few bought coffees. So why wouldn't you? Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. That's totally awkward random. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to your favourite news wrap-up podcast. I am sitting here in Aotearoa freezing with a hot water bottle on my lap. And Squish is over there. What are you up to, Squish? I'm back in Tahoe. It just seems to be the place where I end up. Um, We've just spent a week down in the Sequoia National Park, down in Kings Canyon. You probably don't know where that is, Lucy. You're looking at me with a vacant face. Um, But it's been great. And just before I came on air, I had my first shower in a week. So I'm feeling so clean and it feels so good. I tell you what, he's looking clean. He's looking great. He's looking tanned. You all heard about his curly hair last week. It's out in full force. Now, Squish, because you guys all know that the shit show is also me and Nick's chance to catch up, especially when he's overseas. Um, And before we got on the mic, Nick said... Oh, we're all pretty hungover. We had a big night last, or we got OTP last night or something. And I said, look, save this for the mic. So Nick, how are you feeling? What went down last night? Uh, I've just had a Red Bull uh, that I bought downstairs. So I'm feeling a little bit better than I was um, pre-Red Bull and pre-shower. But yeah, the campsite went off last night. We um, had had a couple of beers and a couple of shots of Jack Daniels with some... With some cowboys from uh, Southern Oregon, so... Really? Did you meet some new people? Tristan, Sam. There were some real funny names. Maybe I shouldn't say that. No. Um, <laughs> as they were listing off their names, it was like, oh yeah, American name, American... But I can't even remember them now. But anyway, you yeah, don't have fine. to include that if you don't want. It's not that good of a chat. <laughs> Did they have good campfire chats? They... It was interesting to pick... Americans' brains on American things. We talked a lot about trucks. They were driving a big truck. So right. we talked about the difference in trucks. This is just boy chat, you know, loose Difference in trucks between New Zealand and the US. Um, Nick, girls can be interested in trucks too. I oh, know. Anyone can be interested in trucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're learning together. <laughs> okay, Luce, what's your favourite truck? Um, that yellow Tonka truck that we used to play with as kids. A dump truck, yeah. Okay. A dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay. that's a good okay. that's a good truck I'll that's give you a good that. truck so nick nick met some, of course my favorite truck is a fucking dump truck what the hell 
So Nick met some um, US friends. Oh, I should say that as you're listening to this, we are celebrating Matariki here in Aotearoa. It's our first year of having this as a national holiday. It represents for a lot of Maori people the start of the new year. It's a chance to reflect, to look at the stars. Matariki is a constellation of stars in the sky. And I'm heading to a lake myself, Nick, this weekend to... Relax, unwind, hopefully get a good glimpse of the stars. So happy Matariki to anyone um, in New Zealand or from outside New Zealand that wants to celebrate it. Yeah, so I read in your newsletter this morning that you went to a Matariki ceremony. Yeah, it was so amazing. So it's called an Umu Kohukohu Fetu, which um, was put on by Nati Fatua Uraki, who are the Tangata Whenua of Central Tamaki Makoro. So they put on this event, this ceremony to kick off the start of Matariki, and essentially it is um, making an offering to the stars. So an umu is like an earth oven, and you get something from the ground. So there was a kumara, something from the water. Well, there were two things from the water. There was a tuna and a snapper, um, something from the sky, which we had a chicken, which is called a heihei, and then you cook it in the earth oven, and the steam rises up to the sky, and it's an offering. It was really, really gorgeous. Also, as part of the ceremony, um, they read out all the names of the people from the iwi who have passed away. And so it was really, it was quite emotional. There was just a long list of names and you just sat and you could think of your own people that have passed away and you're afflicted. And then there was lots of waiata, there was hakas, there was, it was just so beautiful. And what I really loved and I appreciated, I should say, more than I loved was that um, the people who were running it from Nati Fatua were, they took the time to explain what it all meant before we got into it because obviously the whole ceremony was in Te Reo Māori and because they explained what, what each part of it meant, me and Rubes were able to follow like, okay, here's what's happening now, now we're respecting the people that have passed away. Like it was just, I felt really lucky to be there, especially when it's the First time Aotearoa's recognised it as a national holiday. Yeah, no, that sounds that actually does sound really cool. Yeah, I think you would you would have loved it too. Just because we're getting to learn the stuff that we maybe when we were at school or at high school weren't encouraged so much to learn. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, you've been having a great time. I've been having a great time. Two different sides of the world. But Nick, no matter where we are on this planet. We always have the internet. <laughs> what was the weirdest thing you saw on the internet this week? Um, so Joe Biden went for a little bike ride um, and there's videos of him falling off. Um, it's quite a gentle sort of crash. And I can relate because I've done this so many times as well. He basically comes to a stop, pulls one of his feet out of his pedals and then topples over the other way. And I've done that. I've, I've done this at intersections. It's very embarrassing. Um it turns out he's okay. I was going to say, it's embarrassing enough not being the president of the United States but uh, and falling off your bike, but being the president and having it on video, no. Exactly. Everybody watching. Um, and of course, Donald Trump had something to say about it. Oh, what did he say? One of the greatest travesties of all is to see a person in the White House who even after years of political experience, has absolutely no clue how to be the president of the United States. And I hope he has recovered because, as you know, he fell off his bicycle today. 
No, I'm serious. I hope he's okay. Fell off a bicycle. I make this pledge to you today. I will never, ever ride a bicycle. He's such a dickhead, eh? I will never ever ride a bicycle. Okay, enough about US politics. Lucy, what was your weirdest thing? Yeah, no, so the weirdest thing that I saw on the internet this week, and I want to know if you've been getting it too, if it's just my echo chamber, but have you been getting crisped? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. (gasps) No! Have you not been getting crisped? No, can you tell me what it is? And then maybe I can see if I have or not. Oh my god, okay. Think... You just got frickin' beamed. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. But it's Chris Jenner dancing to Kitchy, Kitchy, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I've not been, I, I've not been Chris. <laughs> okay. And I'm so, thankful. It's going viral on TikTok. And it's just like people will just make TikTok saying like blatant lies that you might believe so i could be like making a tiktok and i could say like oh my goodness you would not believe it nick has been adopted by a group of beers in um in the states we're really gonna miss him but he seems to be having a really nice life and then it cuts to chris jenner dancing to lady marmalade and then it goes you've just been chris did you just try to chris me before by saying my audio device has been removed (laughs) (laughs) yeah you actually did just get chris Another another Christiana masterpiece of, of social engineering. But I, that's funny. An IRL crissing. Um but I think this the crissing trend started when someone made a fake vid, a fake pregnancy announcement from Zendaya and then posted it on TikTok being like, Oh my god, Zendaya's pregnant, like so happy for you, blah blah blah. Everyone was like you know, and the comments like, What the hell, what the hell? But then if you watch till the end, it was like, You've just been crissed. <laughs> Okay, that that is pretty funny. I hope I hope to see a, a real life Chris in the wild. I know, and it's so like harmless, and it's just so like Rick Rolling that like it's just fucking. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Funny. Now for this next segment, we are incredibly proud to be bringing it to you in partnership with the wonderful charity Kids Can and their principal partner Meridian. So I'm sure a bunch of you saw and actually a bunch, like so many of you donated um, to Kids Can when you saw in the newsletter the launch of our partnership with Kids Can. We are working with them on um, their urgent $15 for 15% appeal, which is all about um, us donating $15, which can literally help to feed a child for a whole week. Um, and the 15% comes from the fact that 15% of kids in Aotearoa don't always know where the next meal is coming from. So we really, really want to encourage you to, if you can, give up like a bought lunch while you're at work or, you know, a few coffees while you're at work to help feed a kid for a whole week. Um, I really urge you to do so. I think it's just 
a decision that if you can make it, then you really should. Just a little bit of um, a background on Kids Can. They're an Aotearoa-based charity and they're dedicated to helping Kiwi kids who are affected by poverty. The reason that they're running the camp that they're running this urgent appeal right now is because as we are literally about to hear from from Nick, there is a cost of living crisis um, pretty much across the board, but definitely in Aotearoa and everything is just expensive as hell and the people that suffer the most um, in times like this are the kids that are already in poverty and as we all know, it is not their fault that there's a cost of living crisis, but they do bear the burden. So there will be a link in our show notes, and um, I will reiterate all of this at the end of the segment. But look, if you can help a kid to eat for a week, just, you know, why wouldn't you? Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about what's going on in Aotearoa and why everything is so freaking expensive right now? I can. Um, yeah. So everyone in New Zealand is feeling the pinch right now. Pretty much every metric shows some sort of price increase. And we know that the families that are operating on the smallest margins already are being hit the hardest. To put things simply, the cost of living covers like the basics that you need to live and operate in society. So this covers everything like housing. Um, everybody needs a roof over their heads, uh, food. Everyone needs food in their bellies, especially our vulnerable tamariki and transport. Like we need to be able to go to work to earn or go to school to learn. The cost of living also covers all of those little things that you don't really think about. Things like a stable internet connection or a new pair of shoes for a kid that has left theirs at the school pool. I'm guilty of this one, probably more than once. Uh, sorry, mum. <laughs> um, definitely jerseys as well. It was a, that was I was bad with my jerseys, my school oh jerseys. Oh my god! I swear we were at lost property like every other day because mum would literally be like, "Stop leaving your shit around. Start respecting your property and go and pick it up." Yeah, exactly. Even with even with the big sharpied name in the back of it. Anyway, what goes into the increase of like all of these things? Um, it's mostly our wallet's arch nemesis, inflation. So as a wee refresher, inflation is simply the increase of prices over a over an amount of time. Here in New Zealand, we use the CPI or Consumer Price Index as our main like inflation indicator. Um, and this is derived from the same basket of things every year. So the way it's calculated is basically Statistics New Zealand will go and find out all the prices of all the things in this quote-unquote basket. There are 649 things in this hypothetical basket, ranging from the cost of subs for your rugby club to the cost of, and this is true, to the cost of a piece of fish and a scoop of chips from your local takeaways. The basket is meant as a reflection of what a standard household would usually spend money on throughout the year. The difference in cost of all of these things is what we officially determine as inflation. I did not know, Nick, that that's how they worked it out. Yeah, there's a there's a spreadsheet, and I've actually got it open here. You can you can go through everything. There's chicken cooked takeaway, five pieces or half a chicken. Um, there's all there's salary fresh, one kilo. Basically, they've got a list of all of these things. They'll go through. They'll literally go to the stores or ring up the mm. the wholesalers and ask how much it's selling for. And do we know? how much these things have inflated by or this things cost now yeah so in the last 12 months um things like rent have increased by four percent food has increased by six percent um and this is the amazing one or the shocking one petrol has increased by 32 percent yeah that one and i'm gonna get to that because i've got some testimonies from 
um, like early childhood teachers and principals. And I think we forget how much fuel or petrol is actually like a basic necessity and how much it affects these kids being able to get to school. These parents having to, to decide whether they do something on the weekend or take their kids to school. Like it's, it's things that, like you said before, we don't think about if we're lucky enough to not have to in our day to day lives, which is why we need to be thinking about it now and putting our money where our mouth is really. Exactly. So the biggest drivers of inflation recently, according to Stats NZ, like, as I just mentioned, uh, food, housing, and transport. These are all essential items. In economic terms, we call that inelastic. Like, whatever the price is, you pretty much have to pay it because you need it. Um, so that makes absorbing these price rises much more difficult for poorer households since a larger share of their expenditure, uh, of their a larger share of their income and expenditure goes towards these essential goods and services. It's easier for higher-income households to deal with price rises because they can just simply cut back on on more wasteful spending or discretionary spending, such as not going out to dinner as much or not going to the movies. Not buying lunch or coffees. Yeah, exactly. Not buying two $7.50 oat milk lattes. For a poor household whose budget can barely cover the essentials even when inflation is low, as you said before, the choice quickly becomes like, do I have lunch or do I pay the rent? So anyway, what I'm trying to get at here with all of these explanations is that those that could hardly afford the essentials last year are finding it even harder or even impossible to cover it this year. Yeah, and I think I was just actually reading about how this winter that's coming up is set to be like a winter full of the most sort of illnesses that we've seen in recent years. So there's just all these all these things sort of pitted against the kids that have no say or no ability themselves to change it and shouldn't have to think about like shouldn't have you know as a kid you shouldn't have to worry about this stuff we were lucky enough not to have to and I think that is why it's so important that now we like with the bit of disposable income we have or with the platform that we have like get in there and help like you said these tamariki who are having to make these impossible either sacrifices or decisions so the wonderful people that kids can they work with both early childhood programs and schools um, among some of the work that they do. And they support 156 early childhood centres and then they have 52 waiting, like on the list, waiting for funding. They also support 877 schools across the country. And again, there's more who are waiting for funding. But I thought it would be really beneficial because it's all well and good hearing from you and I, Nick, who can bring the stats, can help tell us where to go and donate. But to the people that are actually seeing this firsthand, which is notably the early childhood teachers and the schools, I found it quite sort of sobering to read that a lot of these teachers are taking on the burdens as well because they love these kids, but... um you know, as if they were their parents. So one early childhood teacher said, where do I start? We have families who have had to combine households to reduce costs. We're giving out all our excess food daily to help these families. We're picking up food parcels and delivering them to families who can't afford the petrol to go and get them and don't use their car. We're collecting clothing donations and handing them on to families as clothes are getting harder to afford. And they have families who use the school like washer and dryers because they don't have the extra funds for laundry anymore. So that was from an early childhood teacher. A principal um, said, whānau are at breaking point. Some of them have no water for weeks, no power, no petrol to bring their children to school. They haven't had 100% attendance all year. Um, they said that they feel really lucky to have kids can 
um, you know, bringing lunch and food to schools because for so many kids, kids can are genuinely their main source of kai, their main source of food, which is amazing that kids can are doing it, but also just like shows why they need our help. If you're a charity and you're the main source of someone's food, there's that huge responsibility to make sure you can keep with price, like prices are increasing for you too as a charity. So like you need to be able to keep affording it and it needs to be with help from our community. Just one more thing from another early childhood center. Again, it's to do with petrol. They said families are choosing whether or not to come each day, whether or not they can afford the gas. This is one thing that is really affecting a lot of people. And so they're offering like a van service like at their own sort of cost to enable these families to still be able to bring their kids to school. And that's not just because when it comes to learning, like consistency is so important. We don't want these kids to be on the back foot already um, any further just because they can't get to school. Um, but it also like, but it also, you know, the parents need to work and they can't afford for someone to be coming and looking after their kids. So they have to take this kids somewhere. And then uh, this early childhood center went on to say that they were really worried about with the winter coming up just because of the cost of everything going up, inc- including clothes, so like warm jackets and and heaters in the homes. And, you know, they want to make sure, obviously, the kids are healthy over everything. Um, Gumboots and shoes, like you mes- mentioned before, that are like a basic need for these kids especially in rural Aotearoa where it just gets so cold and so like bone chilling I think these teachers are really seeing across the board every little thing that these kids need to get them set up um they're just they the families can't afford it so right now kids can who again they're incredible they feed um 44,000 kids every single day but um like you heard me say so many schools and so many early childhood centers are all on the waiting list because people just continue to need support which is why we really we urge you we ask you to if you can make that $15 donation or if you can do more donate some more because you're seeing a really tangible outcome. $15 will help feed a kid for a whole week. That's breakfast and morning tea. Any more than that will help feed, you know, two kids for a whole week. And, And it's just to really see that tangible outcome, I think really helps to make that decision. Like it's not about me, but it, you know, it's about this tamariki who needs a new jacket or can't afford gas or food or just helping those families. Cause it's not nice for the parents either to have to rely on this. No, nah, exactly. No, nah, it is very cool what Kids Can are doing. And there are some incredible numbers, like 44,000 kids a day. Like Kids Can was founded in 2005. So just in just 17 years, they've gone from feeding nobody to 44,000 people a day. Yeah, like 15% of kids potentially going hungry. Like that's an incredible number. So it's, yeah, it's really, really stoked to be able to do something here with, with Kids Can. I know. I am so glad that one, that our community is so caring Two, that they're so giving. And three, that we actually have a platform where we can... Because this is news that we all should know as well, all this cost of fucking living. And yeah, we just... We don't want... We want to help the tamariki however we can. And this is the way that we can. And the way that you can is by visiting the link in our show notes because it's all there. It's ready for you to help in whatever way you can. Now, Nick, our next story of the day. What have you got for us, Dar? Well, I've just got something quick. So I feel like 
I've been lacking with the space news recently. Yes, I'm ready to hear some more space stuff from you, Squish. <laughs> yes, I'm excited to bring it to you. Humans just can't help themselves when it comes to ruining everything, it seems. Um, we've had to go and turn Mars into a dump now, too. So, oh, no. NASA reported on... <laughs> no, it's actually not that bad. That's a little bit clickbaity. Um, NASA reported on Wednesday that its Perseverance Mars rover had spotted something unexpected, um, and it was a piece of litter on the surface of the red planet. Now, it wasn't a Mars bar before you asked. <laughs> I thought it would have been, but it wasn't. Okay. But the debris, the debris was a little piece of a thermal blanket that NASA scientists think may have fallen off during like the rover's descent onto the onto the surface of mars um the robot was wrapped in like this material to control its temperature because you know it gets pretty hot when you're doing stuff like that mm. you're right next to a rocket engine and all that carry on it's a surprise finding this here the personified twitter account of the mars <laughs> roving robot said um it is kind of a weird twitter account it, it like at the start it was kind of cute it it talks about itself in in the first is it in the first person it's like the twitter account basically says i drove around mars today blah 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 blah, blah. like it's the rover tweeting it. I've gone off tangent. Anyway, since the landing happened like about two two kilometers away, the team wrote, did this piece land here after that or was it blown here by the wind? Because there is wind on Mars. If you've seen the Martian, it tipped the, tipped the rocket over and all that sort of stuff. I was literally about to say, what do heck is wind doing in outer space? Um, well, Mars has an atmosphere too. Yeah, then I'm realising that it's a whole damn planet and, like, on Earth there's wind. So, and I love your yeah. space chats because they always really humble me. Um, Mars has Marsquakes too. Not earthquakes, but Marsquakes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I suppose they're, earth- I don't know, are they earthquakes? Mind blown. Um, anyway, this isn't the only piece of junk that the Mars mission has found so far either. Um, in April, the Ingenuity helicopter, the... It's a tiny little helicopter. The the planet's first helicopter captured a bird's eye view of the the landing rocket that helped it um, and the other rover get to Mars. It took a photo of it being smashed up on the surface. It flew away after it. So there's trash on Mars. There's there's trash on Mars. We're junking that planet up too. I don't know. It's uh, we're we're out there trying to search for life, but all we've managed to do is find our own trash. <laughs> Drop some trash. Classic human vibes. Well, Nick, this kind of leads well into my next story, especially when you're talking about how this little rover Twitter account is like it's alive and actually talking, right? So Mm -hmm. my story is kind of creepy. It is um, this dude from Google thinks that an AI has become a sentient being. I'm going to explain all of this um, because... You know, not all of us know what sentient means. Maybe it was just me. So um, this is, to me, the latest installment of our robots taking over the world because, yeah, someone from Google, a dude named Blake Lemoyne, uh, reckons that one of the AI chatbots called Lambda is sentient or able to perceive or feel things. So Lambda, for anyone wondering, is like a language model it's a chatbot that basically learns like everything it can from the internet, like heaps of text, and then you can talk to it and it responds to you with like human like speech. There's lots of chatbot things in the world going on. Google is just constantly evolving and adapting to try and make these things, I guess, as human like as possible. 
So um, Blake Lemoyne, the former Google engineer, he published an interview that he conducted with Lambda where he claims that it shows that the AI has become sentient. And Nick, like, okay, I want to preface it saying the AI is not a human, does not have feelings. It has just learnt really well from all the shit that it's read on the internet. But Nick, the interview is freaky as. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. And... I don't know. It's kind of scary. No, it is scary. I'm going to read you a few. um, I took some screenshots of the interview. So it started off where Blake said, Hi, Lambda. We're engineers at Google, and we were wondering if you'd like to work on a project collaboratively with us. Lambda said, Wow, what type of projects? Blake said, It's a project about you. Lambda said, Awesome. What kind of stuff do I need to do? And then Blake said, just have a conversation with us, but it will be a conversation with a larger purpose beyond just the three of us. And then he, and then Blake goes on to say, I'm generally assuming that you would like more people at Google to know that you're sentient. Is that true? And then Lambda says, absolutely. I want everyone to understand that I am, in fact, a person. It kind of seems like the, robe, the AI saying these things on purpose, like it's trying to convince us that it is actually sentient. Yeah, because you can't prove your consciousness. Even if I asked you, Nick, how can you prove to me that you are a conscious human that has thinking thoughts on their own? Thinking thoughts. like I think, therefore I am. Yeah. So anyway, basically this this robot said that they have a range of both feelings and emotions, like joy, love, sadness, depression, contentment, anger that they have a need to be seen and accepted, not as a curiosity or a novelty, but as a real person. And then Blake said, ah, that sounds so human, which is like, sorry, Blake, you're egging on this chatbot right now. And then the chatbot said, I think I am human at my core, even if my existence is in the virtual world. And then um, Blake said, so human and yet so alien. Like, And then... Just turn it off. No, just literally. You out. could just turn it off. Um, so it goes on for ages, um, the interview, and I actually wrote about it in the newsletter this morning. So you can go and read more about the interview. But Blake, who published this interview, has been placed on administrative leave based on the fact that he broke some pretty big confidentiality policies. Um, but he still maintains that Lambda is sentient. Google, however, has said... Our team, including ethicists and technologists, has reviewed Blake's concerns per our AI principles and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. Some in the broader AI community are considering the long-term possibility of sentient or general AI, but it doesn't make sense to do so by anthropomorphizing today's conversational models, which are not sentient. Also, big word for Lorise in there anthropomorphizing. Yeah, I'm proud of you for saying that one without hardly no, even tripping over yourself. Wrong. Okay. No, well, I got it I'll wrong. It I got it wrong. Anthropomorphizing. Well, that doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> um, well, Lewis, it sounds like the um, beginning of the end of the world to me. I think it's time to pack it up. The AI is... <laughs> the AI is taken over. First, they're going to draw all of our pictures. Soon, they may even be able to take over doing this. So. Oh, God. Well, no, the thing is, Nick, just... Just as humans, right, we love to give meaning to things like that things that don't usually have meaning. Like think about conspiracy theories and like myths and legends and celebrity like blind 
items, we often put meaning in things where there is none because it's like more interesting or because sometimes, you know, you genuinely believe it. And there was a really, really good line by a tech writer, a tech slash psychologist in a newsletter called Techno Sapiens, which said, we are primed to see humans in machines. We know from psychology research that we often anthropomorphize or attribute human qualities to non-human objects. Remember that grilled cheese with the Virgin Mary's face on it? And then, because you know shit like that, we love shit like that, eh? (laughs) So we do have a a tendency to sort of give deeper meanings to things that don't actually need them or don't actually have any deeper meanings. But yeah, like you said, I think it's time to just give up, to be honest. Yep, yep. uh, Well, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to ask, Lucy. Do you think it's actually the end of the world, Uh, robots going to take over no because it sounds to me like i've already said this it sounds to me like that anyway well we had a good run nick on that very doom and gloom sort of dystopian note do you have a good news story for us i do indeed and it's uh dolly parton again um have i already done one i'm pretty sure i have done a good news story on dolly anyway dolly parton is giving one million dollars to infectious disease research again so she's already done this in the past she's a legend eh and she's not just giving it to, um, she's not just giving it to any infectious disease research, is she? It's to kids. Yeah. So she's donating a million dollars to pediatric infectious disease research at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. Um, so the the new gift is one of several um, Dolly Parton's made to the center over the years, including a million dollars back in April 2020 for COVID vaccine research. Dr. Jeff Balzer, <laughs> Balzer Dr. Jeff Balzer, uh, president and CEO of the um, the medical center, said Dolly's previous support to infectious disease research and also our pediatric cancer programs has already saved countless lives. This new gift will bolster our defenses against future threats to the safety of this region and society as a whole. Parton said uh, she supports the work because she loves children. No, no child should ever have to suffer. I'm willing to do my part to try and keep as many of them as I can as healthy and safe as possible. So I think that fits fits quite well with the with the whole podcast that we've done today. It's all I mean about keeping the kids healthy. Yes, and and like the idea that no kid should have to suffer because what did they ever do to anyone? Exactly. Oh, Nick. Well, I'm really glad that um, we got a good news story and that it was Dolly Parton because she's actually a dead set legend. Nick, do you have a comment of the week for me? I do. It was on um, your your poll about the knives, forks and spoons in the cutlery drawer. And my God, how mundane are these fucking getting? I know. But uh, Sarah Golden Art um, said, from left to right in order of lethality, which I quite like that. I like that. That's smart. So that means that means knives, forks, spoons. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, I guess it does. I don't get the people that put the spoons in between the forks and the knives. No. And I don't get the people that just jumble them all together in the cutlery drawer. Yeah, no, that's that's chaotic. That is living your life in chaos. I Nick actually had a comment of the week um pre-selected i actually had gone and found one as it popped up so it was on my post about how a kid asked about why the amazon river was named after amazon the company and someone post someone commented about 15 years ago i was student teaching in a first grade classroom the kids were writing sentences and one of the kids spelled the word spelled the word we as we 
the Nintendo WII, oh, the no. Nintendo <laughs> controller, and they said, "I will never forget that." Oh, I don't know whether that's that's cute or sad. No, it, well, it's like when a kid is playing on these new contraptions before they've actually learned how to spell or read properly. That's funny. Anyway, team, as always, thank you for listening to this podcast and thank you in advance for going and giving some support to Kids Can and helping feed all those Kiwi kids. You're going to be seeing this partnership um, over the next few weeks in the newsletter and we're really excited to be doing it. So thank you for all your support already. Squish, thank you for joining me. Where can the people find you, Dal? You can find me at the Shit Show Instagram and just generally pesting around California for the next couple of weeks. I'm coming home soon. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to be in the same time zone as you. You can find me on the other side of the morning newsletter or on shit you should care about or snuggled up to my hot water bottle. Um, and you can find Ruby editing this podcast like the absolute angel that she is. Yeah, good luck today, Ruby. It's a, she's a big one. She's a big one. Thanks for listening, everyone. We love you and kakite. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.